0: Today on Locked On Canadians there's a special guest we're going to talk about prospects we're going to talk about some of the CHLers in the Canadian system we're going to talk about some players the Habs might get a chance to look at in the upcoming draft we're also going to talk about Nick Suzuki and what his place is in terms of players under 25. Locked On Canadians your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 762 of Locked On, Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Sambal, also known as The Active Stick. I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla, but today we have a special guest. Our friend, Sebastian High, is back on the podcast. We've wanted him on for quite some time. I know the first, uh, the first time we had him on... It was a very popular episode. People loved to hear what he had to say. Uh, And so we wanted to bring him back and talk about some of the prospects in the Habs system. Uh, We wanted to talk talk about Nick Suzuki. And we had a mailback question that we were asked about the defensive depth of the Canadians or the Canadians' prospects. Uh, And so we thought, what better person to discuss it with than with Sebastian. Sebastian, who is the Director of North American Scouting for Dauber Prospects. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing
1: today?
2: (laughs) I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on again.
1: Uh, I was going to say, and I realized I didn't have my regular mic plugged in here because I am very well prepared for today's episode. Um, uh, it's just great to have uh, Sebastian joining us to answer questions for us here.
0: Uh, so we're going to start with the CHL trades that took place that involve Canadians' prospects or may involve Canadians' prospects, uh, depending on the situation. Uh, obviously, we mentioned on our Monday episode that Owen Beck was traded to Peterborough and um, uh, Riley Kidney was traded.
1: Gatineau. Yeah, he was Gatineau. traded to the Olympics. Uh, so that you know,
0: was... closer to you, Sebastian.
1: Oh, I'm I'm <laughs> going to go watch them for sure. My favorite part about OHL, or not OHL, but like CHL trades and the running joke is, hey, this top prospect was traded for like a kid who is seven years old at this current point in time, because yeah. uh, like the back pieces go all the way into uh, 2025 and almost, I don't think 2026, but... Um, when the potential Shane Wright trade comes through in the OHL, I'm sure that it's going to be a lot, a lot of those kind of picks at this point. Uh, my, I guess my question is, I know how good the Habs prospects are that have moved around here. And the biggest thing is I don't know about the teams, so to speak in the OHL and around the CHL. I know individual player stuff. Cause that's what I tend to focus on. What kind? what can we expect from this move going from Mississauga where, They sold off everybody. Del Mastro, uh, Del Bellos was also traded to him going to Peterborough now, who also uh, acquired two pieces from uh, Hamilton. It seems like they're loading up to make their own run this season.
2: And so Peterborough uh, is having a pretty good season and they're definitely gearing up for a playoff run. Um, They are among the five or six best teams in the OHL this season. Uh, and they've been really stacking up on prospects. Uh, the big move that they made, uh, earlier on the season was trading for, Bre- uh, Brandon Othman, uh, who wanted to move closer to, to family for, uh, for, for family health reasons. And, uh, I mean, look, Owen Beck playing on line with Brandon Othman is going to be a lot of fun to finish off this season, in the OHL, and it's going to be a very competitive team, uh, they also, uh, the Pete's also traded for uh, Gavin White, and um, who was the other one in that trade? Avery uh, Hayes. Avery Hayes, yeah, which was, a, 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 like, shockingly, they didn't pay as much as I thought they would, because those are two very, very good OHL players, uh, and yeah, like, like the Pete's are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, they also play a ton of games in Ottawa, uh, so I'm definitely going to make sure to, to go watch, but... Yeah, it's it's turning into to quite a fun lineup.
1: I it's I'm looking at that and they have Tucker Robertson, who I believe is Nick's he's brother. Uh, no,
2: no, I believe he's he's not related.
1: Really? Oh well, that shows I what believe, I know that
2: I, believe, <laughs> I, I could be could be wrong. No, no I'm no, on no, his elite not. prospects page, and that's nope. uh
1: that's me assuming that another Robertson played for the <laughs> So um I am excited because obviously watching the Bulldogs last year with Jan Mishak and Arbor Jackey is – Avery Hayes and Gavin White were a big part of that team as well. And I forgot Othman had been traded there. It feels like Owen Beck is going to have to be the everything piece for this team like he was in Mississauga. And I assume that should mean we'll get to see more potential offensive growth out of him, I would imagine. And he'll be given a
2: shot on the first line, which he never really was given in uh, in Mississauga because Del Beveluz was there as well. And I mean, I, I have my reservations about coaching decisions there, about not having Owen back on the first line, but uh, he, he will on a better team now. And that's going to be very exciting to see how he, he functions in a far more offensive role with significantly better line mates.
1: Uh, and then I guess the next one is uh, Riley Kidney going from Echity Bathurst to uh, Gatineau. The QMJHL is so far out of anything that I will ever understand I know it is a much more <laughs> offensive league uh with everything yeah. I'd like I I don't know much about Gatineau because like I said I might need folks in if I'm watching games to watch the Habs prospects to see what they do I guess kind of like we talked about with Becco and uh Peterborough here what can we kind of expect out of Riley Kidney's move to uh Gatineau uh for the rest of this year I mean, I
2: personally have my reservations about Kidney as an NHL prospect, but he's a, 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 an excellent junior player. A, and Gatineau is currently fourth in the queue. Uh, they're having a very good season. They have a lot of very good players on their team. Uh, recent second round picks uh, in uh, Tristan Luneau and uh, uh, Noah Warren. Uh, I'm, I'm a very big Noah Warren fan. Um, and uh, they there are some fun pieces on that team. Um I, I think that, that kidney fits in just just very very nicely there. He is going to be their first line center now for the rest of the season, uh, playing with a a skilled guy in uh, Anthony, Anthony Vero, uh, who uh, was draft eligible last year uh, but didn't get picked. Um, yeah, like it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see how kidney kind of functions on that team because it, this season they they've been just like um, a bit kind of like they haven't been scoring as much as the other top teams in the queue. So um, they, they, they do need to, to kind of score some more goals. And they've also been conceding a ton, uh, so this is kind of a move where Gatineau is doubling down on, on, on offense specifically. Uh, they could have gone out and, and acquired a defensive center or a defenseman, uh, but they decided to go with the pure skill and offense of Riley Kidney.
0: Yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of move it over to uh, to the WHL and talk real quick about Jared Davidson because, you know, all of these, this movement in the CHL is going to affect him. But also we get a lot of questions about him and Scott and I aren't really WHL focused, obviously, for a lot of reasons. So we figured let's ask somebody who knows about a little bit more about Jared (laughs) Davidson, uh, because, and, and, and one of our mailbag listeners, like literally said, sometimes it seems like he doesn't even exist. We do kind of forget he exists sometimes. So I know he's a bit, he's a late rounder. He's in the Hab system. And I know that, you know, his, his NHL, Uh, I guess his chances of making the NHL or being a successful NHL are aren't very high, but I still think we should talk about him. And I still think, you know, people are curious about him. So what are your thoughts, Sebastian?
2: It was kind of a confounding pick that the Habs made because it kind of clashed with everything else they did on that draft day. Uh, They were always drafting for, for a combination of skill, skating and smarts. And Jared Davidson has the smarts uh, and he, he was what he was like a double overager, putting up massive numbers, but really lacking projectable elements to his game. So it was not a pick I was expecting at all. Um, but yeah, so 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 Jared Davidson is a guy who <clears throat> he scores his points by by just outthinking his opponents, uh, but not to a level that projects to him being able to do so in pro hockey, let alone in the NHL. Um, he is one of the worst skaters in the entire Hab system, a very, very choppy stride. Um, and especially because he's almost 20, I believe, or he is 20, um, there's less runway to really fix that those skating deficiencies. And they haven't really come a long way since the draft uh, from everything I've seen. Um, he also he, la- he lacks great handling skill. Uh, he has a pretty good shot. He, antip- he anticipates play nicely. He has all the things that you need in junior to, to put up some points. Um, but in the ozone zone, he, he glides around quite a bit and he's not overly involved in play. Uh, he gets quite passive defensively. I, I, I just I, I don't know what his role in the NHL would be because he he lacks an elite defining skill that can catapult players to making the NHL against all odds. Um, he, he's not like a defensive workhorse who can just plug away on a fourth line and and have his role. I I just, I don't know what he would be. Uh, again, look, I I always hope that prospects prove me wrong. Right? Like in the end, if if I doubt a player and they prove me wrong, it's like, good on you. Like I, I, I can learn from this as a scout, but with, with Davidson, I, I just, I have a lot of doubts as to even how. Impactful of an AHL player, he can be within the next five years. I, I, I'm curious to see what the Habs' plan with him is. Whether they they want him to to go to Trois Rivieres next season. uh But yeah, it's just not a pick that I really understood. Like, if you're gonna draft a 20 year old, and it's it's a 20 year old in the CHL. It has to be a player that's really special because you only have basically one or two years of his rights before you lose them. If you're drafting a 20 year old from Europe, it's like, okay, fine. Like, like, like the Habs drafted Petteri Nurmi, who I think was 19, uh, didn't love the pick either, but at least you hang on to those rights for like five or six years and you can see maybe he develops into a, a good defensive third pairing guy and you have that down the road. Awesome. That's, that, that, that's fine. We don't have that luxury with CHL players because you their rights expire so quickly. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it, it all kind of contributes to, to North American players being pretty overvalued at, at the draft quite often.
0: That's interesting that you say that. Um, we're going to stick with North America, but we're going to get back to the Habs and we're going to talk about Nick Suzuki uh, in just one moment. One of my favorite topics of conversation, actually. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball, anything that you want, everything's at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which I know you do because you're listening to this one, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts. So one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about Nick Suzuki was that obviously this was clickbaity before the holidays, you know, like (laughs) there was a top 25 under 25 list and Nick Suzuki was on the fifth. It was from the Bleacher Report. Um, And obviously people were very, very upset about this. And I think that for me, in my opinion, there tends to be a tendency to undervalue Nick Suzuki outside of Montreal. Uh, and I think that one of the things that we do kind of have to admit is that he is the first line center of this team right now. But he's not like, you know, he's not Nathan McKinnon. Like I think the expectations are for a first line center in Montreal are very different than they are in some of the some of these teams with like, you know, Stanley Cup potential or Stanley Cup contenders or like, you know, Tampa Bay repeat. I like I'm I, I feel like a lot of people think that when we talk about Nick Suzuki's value people think half fans think he's Sidney Crosby. I don't necessarily think that but I did kind of want to contextualize like what does Nick Suzuki bring to this team? What do you like what do you think his place is on a future contender, let's say 3-4 years down the line? Like what do you think Nick Suzuki's bringing to this team and do you think he can get better than he is at this moment? I think he's still pretty young. He's still early in his career. He's also been tasked with a lot of really heavy minutes and assignments for the past couple of seasons. So I'm curious as to like what your I'm going to say objective, but I know you're a Habs fan. So (laughs) you're as objective as possible uh, thoughts on Nick Suzuki.
2: Yeah, I mean I I'm not quite sure at how much <clears throat> better Nick Suzuki he, he, how much better Suzuki is going to get just because at at this point in the NHL forwards tend to peak between the ages of like 22 and 26. That kind of is the new prime for forwards. It's completely different for defensemen and goalies. Um but I I do think his his game's going to evolve. So I I I believe that that Nick Suzuki is the perfect one B on a contender. So if you like, like genuine contender, like like you're, you're going for the cup, I think you want Nick Suzuki as your one B, a player who might play more minutes than, than, than your one A in important games. Um, I, I, I'd I like to see him in a slightly more defensive role uh, just because he he still hasn't been driving offense at five on five at the level that you'd want your first line center to consistently. And in past seasons, he's shown just tremendous defensive ability. And it's one of the reasons that I I kind of want to see uh, Suzuki and Caulfield on separate lines, is just because I think they both bring their value at five on five in different ways. I think you want Caulfield on your guns a blazing offensive line that's just there to score goals. And Nick Suzuki, I think, would probably be, be at his most valuable. In, uh, on a line that has more of a two-way objective uh what like maybe consider it uh a, a, a younger version of like the Tatar to no Gallagher line if you have I don't know like like if you have two players that are defensively responsible and uh, but also have skill and offensive threat with Nick Suzuki I think that could be interesting so so like two names that kind of stick out to me in the, in the Hab system who aren't maybe home run top six potential guys, but I think it could get there would be Sean Farrell and Jesse Yolonen of just skill, 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 skill. Uh, And I think both could top out as really solid second liners. And I think that they both, they would both complement Suzuki very well. Both uh, have good shots. Both are good passers, especially Sean Farrell. Uh, And both are very meticulous defensive players. Uh, So that would be a line where you would have that two way threat of They'd be consistent threats to score goals, but they would not get exploited in their own end at all. And I think that that's kind of what you want from your you from, from Nick Suzuki, really, is, is having him in that spot. I think, in an ideal scenario, the Habs would land their 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 1a of the future at the draft, uh, with their own pick. Whether it be Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli or Leo Carlson or Zach Benson, I think Benson also has a higher ceiling than Nick Suzuki. Those would be the the, the four centers that I I would be targeting in the top six picks. Um, and if you get one of those guys to to kind of project as your your future number one guy offensively, and then you have Nick Suzuki in the second line, and if you have the luxury of having having Kirby Doc as your third line center, that is a center core, and you're set. Right. Again, like Kirby Dock could also then play second line wing. Uh, You you have Owen Beck coming in. Like you have have a lot of options then. But I I think having that center depth is is just always a good thing. But with with Nick Suzuki, yeah, like that that list where he was fifth of all U24, U25 players, I, I just. I think it's you're really doing a disservice to, to Suzuki by doing so because he's not at that level. Like he's not as good as, as Elias Pettersson. He's not as good as Jack Hughes. He's not as good as as, as that tier player, Miro Heiskanen. And that's fine. It, it should not take away from his value just because he's not quite at that elite elite level he should be appreciated for what he is but instead because he's being put so like just absurdly high on these lists it's forcing people to to say oh no suzuki is being overhyped here or overrated and i just don't think it's fair to suzuki like 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 you have to appreciate what you have in a player and and suzuki's a player that every single team in the league would want uh he's on an awesome contract um yeah I, i i'm a very big fan of nick suzuki
0: I think that's one of the things, too, is that um, we were talking about this on Game Over uh, on the Saturday episode after the Blues. I was talking about this with Andrew Berkshire, and it's like he's the he's the first guy that Martin Stanley goes to when he needs anything, whether it's a defensive situation, an offensive situation, a shootout, all of that stuff. Right. Like, so I think it's really important to kind of appreciate that Nick Suzuki is that kind of, he has that kind of versatility. He's not really gonna let you down. I mean, you look at all the pressure that's been on him and all the assignments, the online assignments that they give him. And you look at that and you look at how he's performed. I think you can consider him an elite player, just not a superstar, right? And I think that it's so important. And, and for me, I thought it's interesting that you said like it's unfair to him to do that because it's true. That's what ends up happening is you want to generate conversations. so you get a bunch of people to get mad that he's high, he's he's put that high, and then you get a bunch of halves fans to get mad because those people are kind of you know discounting his importance to the Habs or, or how good he is in general. And I think objectively speaking uh, and and I'm excited that you brought up all those centers, because I think in our third segment, we're going to talk about some of the centers in the, in the top um, in the, in the, I'm going to say top 10, top 10 that the Canadians might be able to look at. Um, and all of that's coming up in just one moment here uh, on locked on Canadians. All right. So let's chat about, we wanted to, in this third segment, talk about Adam Fantilli and Axel uh, Sandin, Sandy Pelica. Sandine Pelica. Like I was going to call him <laughs> Pelican. <laughs> like it's early, it's it's early in the day. We're recording all of these episodes on a, on a Sunday morning. So that's why we're all kind of like, you can see we're a bit like bleary eyed and I'm having my coffee. Um, but uh, you know, when you brought it up, I was like, all right, let, let's, let's, let's put a little focus on, uh, players that the Canadians can look at in the very top, assuming that they finish you know, uh, with a top five pick, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. They are now losing enough games to bring themselves back down in the rankings. However, <laughs> there are teams that are worse than them still, so we need to temper our expectations, and we need to maybe hope for a lottery mil- miracle, but it looks like the way that Florida's going, it's possible the Canadians can have two top ten picks this- in the upcoming draft. So uh, Scott, you had some curiosity about a couple players, so why don't we why don't we start with Adam Fantilli because we 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 always say Fantilli is like the quote unquote if you don't get Bedard player. But what exactly does he bring? Like obviously we know he's a center. We know that you know he he's he's got a lot to offer, and it's like it's one of those things where like one year if you don't get that top pick, it's not too much of a disappointment because there's a really high caliber player uh, behind him. So thoughts.
2: I love Adam Fantilli. Uh, he is in his own tier at number two overall on my draft board right now. Uh, so it's Bedard in his own tier at one, Fantilli is in his, his own tier at two, and then I have a tier of five players behind them. Um, I It is an exceptional consolation prize if you miss out on Connor Bedard. Uh, Adam Fantilli is... An exceptionally skilled, hyper-intelligent power forward, centerman who does everything well. Uh, he is a player that every team will absolutely love to draft. Um, I, I was I was really annoyed when when Team Canada demoted him to the fourth line because it, it such a reactionary response for one. I guess subpar game, but it wasn't even that bad. And uh Fantilli was clearly among the six best forwards for Team Canada. Uh, and he's constantly creating on the fourth line. Like he, he was doing everything. Uh his, his goal against the US just brought me joy. Uh his the off puck movement, uh driving the slot, everything about that was gorgeous. Um Adam Fantilli is a really powerful fluid skater. Um he he's regularly the f1 on the four check he has a really really good activity rate uh constantly moving his feet constantly applying pressure uh he uses his reach so well to gain the zone he's a great puck protector has exceptional hands uh he's so inside driven too which i just love he just constantly attacks a slot uh he's not at all a perimeter based player um just so so well rounded and he has all the tools that, that that you want your sentiment to have like like, if the Habs are lucky enough to draft Adam Fantilli, there's no question in my mind who the future number one center on this team is. And as much as I love Nick Suzuki, it's not going to be Suzuki. Uh, Adam Fantilli is another tier player, and uh, he's going to be a top 15 center in this league for a long time, uh, At likely even top 10 center in the league. Um, he He's elite in transition as well, great problem solver. Like, really, every single aspect of the game... Fantilli does so, so well. His defensive game, he has some really good habits. There's still some some things he needs to iron out in there, but uh, Fantilli is just awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I'm a very, very big fan.
0: Our friend J.D. Young of Locked on Sharks has this. This is his pin tweet, and I think it's great. Shoot for the Bedard. Even if you miss, you'll land among the Fantilli which I thought was great. Uh, Scott, do you have any other questions about Fanteli, or can we talk about some other uh, some other people? We're looking, so spoil- not spoiler, but peek behind the curtain. We're looking at the tiers of players like Sebastian sent us a screenshot, um, and I can see that there's a lot of names now that we're going to discuss in our next episode, but Scott, you had a couple people that you wanted to bring up. For this
1: my, my thing is it's more of a statement. I look at his scoring at the University of Michigan. Obviously, he was it's at absurd. that – absurd pace, but he's also on a team that is loaded with talent that is still spread across there. Mackie Samuskevich, who was someone I wanted the Habs to draft, is behind him. Rutger McRorty, there's Dylan Duke, there's Luke Hughes, Seamus Casey, and Frank Nazar. hasn't even played for this, and Gavin Brinley hasn't even played for this team yet. And Adam Fantilli is so far ahead of everyone else there already. And for those who want the Habs connection here... He played with Sean Farrell the year that Farrell absolutely dominated the USHL, where he had 101 points, won every award under the sun. Adam Fantilli was a you know middle six player on that Chicago Steel team. I it's like I want Connor Bedard, obviously a potential once in a generation type of player, but it's not hard to be like, oh well, I didn't get Connor Bedard. It's like, oh well, we didn't get Connor David, but you still get a Jack Eichel kind of player who is just phenomenal in their own right and i i am very excited to see what you know the draft brings to that and if you don't get fantelli okay leo carlson's there too but yeah uh before diving too far into other draft stuff we do have to save some stuff for our uh second episode here
0: we do we do have time to talk about leo carlson real quick
2: yeah, uh, Leo Carlson is my third-ranked player on my board. Uh, he was fourth for quite a while, uh, but I bumped him up because I did a, a a video analysis thread on him that I posted on Christmas Day. The first one I'd done since the, since the summer. Um, and he's... Yeah, Leo Carlson's fun. Like, L- Leo Carlson's just really good. Uh, he's also a power forward. Uh, kind of, it, Like, it, it very much is of, like, okay, if you miss on Bedard, you get Fantilli. If you wanted Fantilli, the player you're then going to get if you miss out on him is Leo Carlson, because he's also a power forward, also a great skater, also hyper-intelligent, uh, also very responsible defensively. Uh, he's primarily a playmaker. He needs to shoot a lot more, and he has to work on his shooting mechanics quite a bit, but his playmaking is just exceptional. He was one of Sweden's best players in the World Juniors. Um, just uh, like. Again, this draft class just brings me joy to scout. Like, there's so many players where it's just when I'm watching them play, it's like, wow, that's that is just amazing. And Leo Carlson would have been first on my board in the 2022 draft pretty easily. So, yeah, I uh, Leo Carlson, uh, as a two way power forward center, he's been playing only the wing this season. So, there are a few questions about where he'll play in the NHL, but. There's no way teams won't develop him into into a center, and he has all the habits. Uh, he plays an inside game; like he's not a perimeter-based player at all. Uh, he likes to drive up the middle lane in transition. Like he, he he's going to be a center despite not playing center at all this year. Even at the World Juniors, he was a winger. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fun. Leo, Leo Carlson is is also a special player, uh, probably. Are the best Swedish prospects since uh, Rasmus Dalin. So um, yeah, it's it, there's a lot of talent in this draft, and I think Carlson's definitely definitely a top five. Like I, I have a pretty – pretty solid on my top five. Uh, three to five have been kind of switching between themselves quite a bit with with different viewings, but uh, it like I'd be shocked if he were available at four. I think he's I I, I I'd be shocked if, if at the draft, it's not Bedard at one, Fantilia at two, Carlson at three. I think that's what's going to happen. Pretty much no matter who's picking in it, with those picks, I think that is the draft order that we will see.
0: It's interesting and, because, the you know, as we saw this past season, <laughs> there, there are big shocks that can happen at the draft. Scott, did you have a parting thought before we move on to our next episode?
1: Uh, I was gonna say, uh, I guess we'll we'll bump uh, Axel and Pelika into our, uh, our our next, next episode, episode there a little bit there when we talk about uh, World Junior standouts and other stuff. Then,
0: absolutely. So uh, real quick, because we are gonna have Sebastian on uh, for a second episode, but we do want to tell everybody where to find him. I will find the Christmas Day thread and retweet it on our Twitter account and my personal Twitter account uh, when on the day that this episode drops, so you can all find it. Uh, in the meantime, Sebastian, where can people find your work?
2: Uh, pretty much on on Twitter like it's, it's where I centralize all my work. Um, I I'm I mean I'm, I'm I'm the the head North American scout for upper prospects so check out Upper prospects we have uh, our midterm rankings released um, and the next rankings are gonna come out in April uh, right before the U18s um but yeah just on Twitter I have all my links and everything in there um so yeah just a uh, high underscore Sebastian on Twitter.
0: That's awesome. And if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians. If you'd like to email us, we're at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave questions and comments in the YouTube comments. Uh, you can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matley. You can find me on the active stick. When you're done listening to this episode, please listen to Locked On NHL prospect, Prospects with Hattie Kalakesh. Uh, he recently did a, uh, a a bumper episode for the World Juniors, so check all that stuff out. And as for us, we will be back with Sebastian on tomorrow's episode.